Let's do that hockey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dauber Prospects Radio, episode 130. I'm your host, Peter Harling. And today's episode is going to be the 2022 NHL Entry Draft Fantasy Rankings. Now, some of you, uh, like myself, might have already completed your uh, prospect fantasy draft in your dynasty leagues. Um, some of you have not. So for those of you who have not, this could be really beneficial for you. And uh, I really enjoyed the draft, and I hope you enjoyed all of the draft content that I had from the draft on the last couple episodes. And while I was at the draft, I had the pleasure of meeting up with Heidi Kalashki, who joins me now. He is a Dauber Prospects um, contributor. He is our Quebec uh, Major Junior Hockey League um, expert, if you will. And uh, he's also involved with mm-hmm. uh, Habs Eye on the Prize. And um, uh, where else do you write, Hattie? Uh, well, that's mainly it. Uh, Double Prospects, Habs Eye on the Prize. And I'm on YouTube making uh, videos about the Habs' uh, latest draft picks. Right on. Well, welcome to the podcast, man. It's good to have you on. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So that was like my fifth draft, but it was your first. What were some of your impressions of being at a live NHL draft? What'd you like? I mean, wow. It was an amazing experience. I met up with a bunch of people. Um, I didn't know the scouting sphere partied as hard as it did, but man, that was next level. Uh, John Luz got some pipes on him. He went at it at karaoke. That was, that was really fun. Uh, But draft wise itself, um, man, I mean, sitting a couple feet away from Joe Sackick, um, Watching the the different teams and the tables and how they interact and how how vocal you know it is on the actual floor of the draft, and especially seeing every single GM on their phone almost the whole time was it was a different experience. I knew I knew that like draft draft day is pretty much the busiest day of the year for for GMs, but that was next level. Yeah, it's uh it's a good time and and it's uh it's very interesting to be right there in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Um so speaking of drafts, let's let's do a fantasy ranking for the draft. Um now, this is a rankings that I've kind of come up with and I've invited Heidi to come on and uh and kind of critique and and bounce some ideas off me on on my rankings and tell me if I've got guys too high or too low or if he agrees or disagrees. Mm-hmm. Now, before we get into all that, I should kind of go over what my criteria for this ranking would be. So um, I I had a little bit of a process for uh, ranking them for fantasy value. Now, obviously I've got a a profile on some of these players, some better than others. And Mm -hmm. uh, you've got where they were actually drafted in the NHL, which uh, is a really strong factor for me as well. You'll have a lot of people will just use that as, as their draft list, wherever they went in the NHL is good enough for NHL GMs. It's, it's good enough for my fantasy league, mm-hmm. but that's, there's a cautionary tale there where you can draft guys who are great NHL players, but lousy, lousy fantasy hockey players. And I'm looking yep. at you Logan Stanley. <laughs> Absolutely. So perfect example. Yeah. So some of the factors that, uh, that go into this, I'm focusing on, and I, I'm pretty confident in saying that a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast are hardcore fantasy hockey dorks like like Hattie and I, and they're they're not in these casual twelve team leagues. If they're looking at drafting guys like Rutger McGrady, they're in a dynasty full league, like twenty plus teams with 
full rosters and a full prospect bench in a league that tries to simulate what being an NHL GM is like. Um, so I've got some factors that go into this because it's fantasy hockey are what's the player's ETA. Like how long am I going to be waiting on this guy? Is he going to be in the NHL in a right away or in a year or two, then that bumps him up the level a little bit. If he's like a long-term project, like five years, then that bumps him way down. Um, what is their offensive ceiling and what is their offensive floor? Those are two really big factors. What team drafted them? is another important factor, right? Like a player that gets drafted by Arizona versus a player that gets drafted by Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. There's weight in, in that. Uh, yep. What position they play too. Uh, I find that a lot of the leagues that I'm in, the value in defensemen isn't as high as it is in offensive uh, forwards. Uh, mm-hmm. So I put a little bit more emphasis on the forward position. Um, and then of course, being in multi-cat leagues, Players who offer you a variety of, of stats other than just straight up points get a boost as well. Um, so all that being said, why don't we just tuck right into this there, Hattie? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm guessing we start with the right versus Lefkowski debate. Yeah, and that's, this is one that I've, I've really really wrestled with uh, which way I want to go with this, right? And there's a, there's a couple of factors here. So... I like Shane Wright more than I like Slavkowski. Slavkowski goes first overall to Montreal. Um, who's going to be closer to NHL ready? Uh, Shane Wright has less competition to crack the Seattle roster. Um, I think there's a sense of urgency for them to include star players on the roster in Seattle to help sell tickets and generate a fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, Slavkowski goes first overall. So there's that unwritten rule that he has to go into the NHL right away that was only debunked by Owen Power last year. Yep. Slavkovsky definitely has a more meaty game, right? He will get way more hits than Shane Wright mm-hmm. will. I think Shane Wright will get more points than Slavkovsky will. And if you're in a league that counts face-off wins, I think the face-off wins uh, edge goes to Shane Wright and the hits edge goes to Slavkovsky. I'm not sure that there's going to be a big enough difference in penalty minutes or if leagues even count penalty minutes. So with the hits and the face-off wins, for me, being a bit of a wash uh, category-wise, um, I got to give the edge to Shane Wright because I think he's going to outproduce Uri Slavkovsky uh, more consistently and sooner. Um, so it's a slight edge for Shane Wright to me over Slavkovsky. And I don't know, what's, what's your take on that, Bill? Yeah, well... It's a certainty with right, right? Like you, you're you're looking at a prospect who is almost a guaranteed top six player. Um, the thing is, I I did a 26 minute video on Slavkovsky on YouTube, so like I, I I broke down the the ins and outs of his game, and he he has that you know superstar top line potential. If he works, I mean, he's the best puck protector I've seen in a long time uh, in the draft, but the main concern with him is his decision-making. And that is something that usually takes a lot of time to turn from a, a relative weakness to a, a, a bona fide strength. So in terms of who's going to get the more points the soonest, I think Shane Wright outscores Slavkovsky um, by a decent margin this year, unless Slavkovsky somehow makes it on the top line with Suzuki and Caulfield. You got to keep in mind also that Montreal's kind of weak on the left side, right? So um it, he's positionally he's he's in a beneficial sort of situation with the Habs but I still think Wright has the edge um and I think 
again, the fact that he's a center, the fact that Wright still kind of throws his body around. You know, he's not, he's no Sofkovsky, but he's still, he's going to get his fair share of hits. He's going to win faceoffs. Um, in multi-cap, there's no doubt about it. It's right. But if I'm if I'm thinking really sort of points only uh, for, for the few that are part of those types of leagues, um, those sort of keeper leagues, I, would, I wouldn't hesitate to take a swing at Slavkovsky if you really like the player and you're just a fan and you, you, you want him sort of part of your organization. I think he's a decent swing to take because he has sort of 90-plus point potential if his decision-making improves and... Um, if he starts playing under pressure, you know, with more consistency, we saw him at the world juniors, we saw him at the important tournaments and he did well under pressure, but he excels with a lot of time on the puck and you won't get as much of that in the NHL. But if he managed to iron that, iron that out of his game, he's fine. Right. And another layer on this onion that could definitely move the needle in Slavkovsky's direction is I haven't ruled out the possibility that Shane Wright plays, you know, nine games or less in the NHL this season and then the rest of the year in the OHL. Um, he missed an entire year of development to COVID in, in the OHL, right? Like he didn't play at all that year other than the U 18s. Um, yeah. So it's, I'm not counting on that, but there's like a, I don't know, a 20, 30, maybe percent chance that, um, that he goes back to the CHL. Yeah. It's, it's a non-zero chance and you got to take that into consideration. But I think with the, with the lack of depth in Seattle and the fact that he's a very well-rounded, very developed prospect already, I'd put, I'd place my best on him being in the NHL full-time. I like his chances of playing full-time NHL this season more than yeah. Slavkovsky's. Yeah, absolutely. I'd actually, I recommended in my video to, to put Slavkovsky in, in the AHL for a year. I think that would help him a lot in terms of his development. Agreed. I mean, neither team's really in a rush to throw these stars into their, into their right? roster in terms of like, championship chasing um, no exactly and you know you don't if you're thinking about going after Connor Bedard do you really want to expose a, a player to a losing season in the NHL exactly all right so that's one too I think we're on the same page that it's a it's a fine margin but with a slight edge to Shane Wright over Slavkowski <laughs> and then I don't think it's a, a significant drop-off when you go to number three on my list either and this guy might have the most uh the highest fantasy ceiling in the entire draft class and Mm -hmm. he went third overall to arizona and he's third overall on my my list so the reason why he's he's not really in contention with the top two for me is because he's he's going to the ncaa and he's going to play at least one season there Mm -hmm. um so you know you're drafting a guy that's going to have pretty much zero impact on your fantasy roster this year the only way he does if it's like for a cup of coffee in like march april after the ncaa season yeah and i'd be surprised if luke hughes hasn't is going back to the ncaa for another year i think cooley's probably set for two years i'd be surprised if he if he even gets a cup of coffee at the end of the year um i love the prospect i love the creativity the vision the um the skating's pretty good he does have a bit of sort of noise in his upper body when when he skates but um doesn't really limit his game too much um the one thing that i think will sort of bump Cooley down is the Arizona factor, of course, where, you know, he's playing, he's, he's been drafted by a team that doesn't have a good track record of um, having its, his players really put up many points at any level, especially the the pros. I mean, Phil Kessel had a, a terrible year um, in terms of production relative to what it, we're used to from him. Um, and it's mainly, I don't know what the, 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 the end result is, but I think it's just, 
Arizona just has a bad track record with it, and you got to go with with history there and 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 sort of compare. So, I definitely agree that Cooley's sort of under them in the in the categories. Um, we'll get to him later, but I think Frank Nazar is in contention with with Cooley in that third slot. I, I truly believe in that player's potential, and uh, they're sort of neck and neck for me in terms of their upside. So that's how I see it. All right. Yeah, I like Nazar too. I got him a couple points down, so we'll 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 get back to him in a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Logan Cooley comes in at number three. Then mm-hmm. I have uh, Buffalo's uh, ninth overall pick, Matt Savoy from Winnipeg in the WHL, ranked at my number four. Mm. Uh, so he goes up to four. That jumps him up about five positions. Um, mm-hmm. That's a nice little bump. Uh, I like him because I think uh, I think his offensive ceiling is is high, and his his floor is also high too. I like the uh, opportunity he has with Buffalo. They've got a mm-hmm. lot of prospects, but not a lot of competition on the roster, and they got some players who should be aging out pretty soon, moving along, contracts expiring, whatnot. Uh, so he should be back for another year in junior. Mm-hmm. So again, a player who's not going to pretty much none of these players beyond the top two are really going to have an impact on your roster right away. So it's, mm-hmm. it goes from being from here on out, it, no chance this guy's having an impact on your roster this year or definitely very, not or very little chance. Mm-hmm. How long do you have to wait? So with Savoy, he's got two more years of junior eligibility, um, potentially a year or two of pro development in the American hockey league. Um, but I just, you know, the way the Buffalo is, is building something and his ops upside. Um, I kind of like him for a bit of a long-term project here uh, mm-hmm. at number four. Where, yeah. Where I, I don't know about Savoy. I'm, I'm not the biggest. Um, I'm not really sold on this game as much as other people are. Um, there are some limitations to his play. When when he's pressured physically, his game deteriorates really quickly. And maybe that's learned with time. Maybe it's just a, the slight frame. But at 5'9", 180, he's pretty stocky. So I wouldn't really pin it on that. It's more mental uh, when you watch him play. It's sort of, you know, as soon as there's one guy, or especially when there's two guys on him, uh, the puck leaves a stick as quickly as possible, and usually it's not in, in a good direction. So um, is he going to be able to translate that perfectly to the NHL and, and have sort of that top-line floor? I'm not too sure. I'd see him more as you know a bona fide second-liner, um, the type of player who's going to score a good amount of goals because he gets the areas really well and, and, and gets free in the slot a, a, a bunch, and especially he's really good on the half wall in the power play, but... Uh, I have my reservations about Savoy. I I place him more around where he was drafted, sort of ninth, tenth, eleventh overall, that kind of range. Um, but as a center, he'll get a lot of value. I still see him as more of a winger at the NHL level, um, due to the pace and 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 quick reactions with which he plays. But um, it's sort of iffy for me with Savoy. He's hit or miss. I've had some viewings where I absolutely loved him, and other viewings where yeah. I'm like, what is going on? So it's, it's hit or miss. Well, that consistency factor is, is a common underlying theme with a lot of 18 year olds. Um, mm-hmm. If he can round that out and, 
and be a more on the impressive side than <laughs> the underwhelming side, uh, then he definitely moves up. So maybe I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt there that you'll figure that out. Sure. Buffalo also doesn't have a, a super tremendous track record of development like Arizona. So I might have him I a was little higher say. now that you're yeah. kind of talking me out of this. How do you have him too high? <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. All right. So number five, I've got uh, Philadelphia Flyers Cutter Goche. He went fifth overall. I have him fifth. I think it's uh, a par ranking here. Um, so I had an episode with uh, Pete Krupski, and he talked about the U.S. Uh, players in this draft. There's there's a lot of them, and mm-hmm. I like them all quite a bit. He's comparing Cutter Goche to a, to a Kachuk. And in a Roto League, those players value increases significantly yeah he thinks that he can play center uh so he might be a player who does have dual positional eligibility uh could get you some face-off wins from the wing i think he's going to be a decent volume shooter a decent volume hitter Mm -hmm. i think he'll get some time on the power play probably planted in front of the net yeah i just don't think he's got a lot of competition in philadelphia to crack the Mm, roster he's going to uh, I think it's a Northeastern team, Boston, one of the Bostons, I believe he's going to, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he strikes me as a one and done because he's just so physically mature and his, his game looked pretty, pretty close to NHL ready. He was impact player at the U18s. So yep. I think the turnaround time on him making it to your fantasy roster is going to be short. I think his offensive ceiling isn't that high, but his floor is. And then oh, he'll, definitely. And he'll level out the playing field with his peripheral stats and, and value across the board. hundred um, percent. To me, Carter Gocce has middle six center, middle six for, uh, forward written mm-hmm. all over him. It's so clear that, you know, if he doesn't like, that's his floor to me. I don't think he's going to be that proper top end top line player. Um, but just a middle six guy is going to pot 25 plus on a regular basis. And um be reliable defensively. Um, if he plays center, he's going to be taking a bunch of face-offs. Um, he, he transitions extremely well. I mean, he, he's got a lot of speed. I think he'll excel more at the wing because I, I think his pace is better than his vision um, with and without the puck. But he could play center and he could do a good job of it. But I think really, if you, if you put him at left wing, he's got top six potential. Um, he can support, he can complement smarter players really well. I think if you, if somehow Goche and Bobby Brink end up on the same line, it's over for us. Like Philadelphia is just going to run the, the parade with those two. They complement each other really well. Their skill sets are very complementary. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to to see him sort of have a very decent impact. And I understand him being that high. Um, the one, the player right after him, I'm still going to be banging that drum. Um, probably better the the better of the NTDP players in terms of upside, especially in points only. But Goch is really worth taking a look at, a very very good look at, and in Roto and and Multicat. All right, so that tease you're talking about is is Frank Nazar. We talked about him briefly. I have him ranked at sixth. He was picked thirteenth overall, so I bumped him up quite a bit, seven places. Mm-hmm. Um, you like the you like to move the needle a little bit further all the way up into uh into the four range so yep. a couple picks higher than than where i have him mm-hmm. he's a blackhawks selection um now i don't really have a problem with that the hawks have done they've been kind of hit or miss with some of their prospect development and 
you know, that's, that's pretty, pretty average. Uh, his, obviously he's going to be a big part of their future as, as they're going scorched earth here. And um, they'll be looking to, to make more roster spots for these prospects yep. in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's headed to the NCAA as well. So uh, a good candidate for a one and done um, two years, I think at the most, and, and he'll be vying for a full-time top six NHL position. Uh, mm-hmm. He's going to University of Michigan, so they got a super-duper program there that's graduating oh, yeah. tons of stars. Uh, they'll have a mm-hmm. new coach, but um, still, you got to like uh, you got to like the team that he'll be playing on. Yep. So here's here's your soapbox. Step on up and uh, sell me on on Frank Nazar. Why I've got him <laughs> too low at six. He to to, to put it very simply, he's got the highest points on the upside in the draft. I think that includes Wright and Slavkovsky. I think. Um, if he hits, he's going to hit massively. We're talking 90 plus points, sort of Mitch Marner sort of range of points. Um, he's a similar type of player where skating carries a lot of his, of his offense, but he's a better scorer and maybe a less impressive playmaker than Marner. Um, I'd, I'd equate him a bit to Braden Point, especially in terms of um, his ability to drive results in transition. He used to, at the start of the year when I watched him, I had him much lower. I had him in the 20s because what I saw is a player who got inside at all costs. So no matter what was the right thing to do, he would cut across the def- uh, defender's hands and try to get scoring chances from the slot, right? But as the year went on, I saw more give and go. I saw more using the boards, uh, circling back, uh, delaying, finding other pass options. He just added layers and layers and layers to his game. And the thing that really impressed me the most is during the the middle of the year, January, February, the amount of times that he would um, be surrounded by four opponents and have the puck on the tip of a stick. And I'd look down on my data sheet to to jot him down for a turnover. And I'd look up and he'd still have the puck. Uh, I can't count. It, it, It was easily like five, six times a game. So I was just like, yeah, no, this this is a player who can control the chaos, who is the controlled chaos, and who does a great job of retaining pucks through pressure and playing them, playing, doing the right things at the right moments. And to me, you know, the hockey sense is through the roof. The skating's through the roof. He's got a great shot. He's got great playmaking. I just don't see what's really missing with him. And I think he's got a high floor. For me, he's probably at worst a third-line uh, play-driving center. And he can play the wing, so he's got that positional, that that multi-positional eligibility. So, I mean, the value's all there. Well, I also like him. Uh, I guess not enough, though. Yeah, um, that's pretty glowing report. All right, so <clears throat> that's our top six. Uh, at number seven, I have Nashville Predators Joachim Kemmel. He ended up going seventeenth in the draft, so I bump him up ten into the seventh position. Mm-hmm. Uh, goal scoring winger going to take some time to get through the Nashville system. He'll probably yep. stay in Europe. I think he's, um, he's in Finland with JYP, uh, mm-hmm. probably gonna be there for two years. And then maybe looking at I mean, a cup of coffee in the NHL, but most likely some time with, uh, I think Milwaukee's their AHL affiliate now. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a wait time, but his goal scoring ability, is he's one of the best shooters in the draft class. So, you know, you can't have him outside the top 10 when he's one of the best goal scorers in the draft. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of where I have him ranked in here. Um, Mm -hmm. What's your, what's your take on him? Well, 
Um, Kamel for me is in the top three in terms of scores. I think he's third uh, behind Furcus first and Likaramaki second. So his goal scoring is up there already in terms of, of the potential for, for goals. I think he could very, very well score 30 plus on a regular basis. Um, he's also got very, very soft hands. He's extremely physical for a player of his size and, and his, his sort of skill set. Um, engages along the boards a lot. I I don't see the the high end vision or the high end sort of creativity and deception and manipulation that I like to see in 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 fours that I consider sort of top ten locks. But um, the scoring is definitely there. The hands are definitely there, and he's going to get you some hits. Um, so yeah, he's he's impressively well rounded for for the type of player that he is and strives to be. But there are some definite key lackings that would sort of probably bump him down a couple notches for me. But again, it just it, it depends on the factors, really. He's he's definitely in the range that I'd consider him, though. All right. I had uh, Jonathan Likaramaki, uh, another right winger who went to Vancouver. He's the 15th overall pick. Uh, so I kind of oscillated between these two. I like one more than the other. I like the other more than the one um, back mm. and forth. They're, it's pretty much a coin toss for me. Do you, do you see these guys that close too, or, or is yeah. there a bigger divide for you? No, definitely. They're pretty close. The difference is I'd say Kemmel has a B game and Lekaramaki doesn't, but the difference is Lekaramaki is an, is an elite goal scorer and Kemmel is a very, very good goal scorer. So it just depends on what you prefer. Do you prefer upside or certainty? To me, yeah. the Karamaki represents a higher upside. He's got 40-goal potential, but um, Kamel represents a sure bet because he's got many, many different facets of his game that could hit. Whereas like Karamaki, if he's not scoring, the rest of this game isn't really up to par. So t- for me, he's a bit sort of right behind him because I do believe in certainty. But man, if he's developed properly and he hits, he's going to be a tremendous goal scorer at the next level. Well, we're talking top 10 pick here, so... If I'm in picking in the top 10 and I got this choice, I'll take the guy that has the higher certainty. I mean, yeah. I just, I just want to hit with my first round pick. If it's, if it's an eight out of 10, instead of a 10 out of 10, that's still good. If it's an mm-hmm. eight out of 10, it's better than a zero. Then mm-hmm. that's, that's a huge win. Yeah. All right. So you've probably noticed that I haven't ranked a defenseman yet. I said off the top that I gave them a little bit less value. So my top eight are Wright, Slavkovsky, Cooley, Savoy, Goche, Nazer, Kemmel, Lekaramaki. Now I got two defense and probably not too surprising to most people. Simon Nemich is my top ranked D right shot defenseman. He went second overall, but he drops seven positions in a fantasy draft. New Jersey Devils player. Um, I like his opportunity to be a top four, a top two, top four pairing defenseman for them. Uh, mm-hmm. In the not too distant future, you know, um, they don't they don't have two stud defensemen like Buffalo does uh, or Anaheim does. They would make a, a roadblock competition for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he checks a couple of boxes, too. Right. And he's not only just offensive, but he can do some hits and some blocks as well. Uh, so would he be your top fantasy ranked defenseman? I'm not too sure. Now, there's one there's one thing that I would definitely sort of take into consideration he had 17 points in 19 playoff games for hk nitra that's not bad that that's not bad that's that's probably the the that's better than most forwards most draft eligible forwards this is we're talking about a pro league i mean it's not the highest quality pro league but still playing against men and putting up results that i think it was just second on this team in points 
and this, on this whole team. Like this includes 30 year olds. So that's definitely promising. And you look at the projections, you look at uh, NHL equivalency and no one's even close to him. But for me, watching them both on the ice and what they do, David Juracek to me has higher offensive upside. He's probably going to be putting up more points. Nemes to me is a bona fide guaranteed top four defenseman. He's got all his stops, um, skates like the wind, carries the puck extremely well. He's going to be your bona fide top four puck moving defenseman. Is he going to be able to outrank Dougie Hamilton? I'm not sure. That's the main thing that, that sort of sticks to me, especially with the Devils. Whereas Yerichek, the sky's the limit. Offensively, I mean, the shot's ridiculous. The passing's ridiculous. He's extremely aggressive, both offensively and defensively. He'll get you hits. Um, he'll just he'll contribute everywhere. Whereas Nimitz is very, very good at the maybe three things he does. So that's the difference between them. I'd say Yerichek is less of a sure bet, but definitely higher upside. Um, whereas if you really sort of want certainty, then I'd go for Nemes first. Interesting, because I don't even have Yerichek as my number two defenseman. I have him a little bit further down outside my top 10 at 13. Mm-hmm. So right behind Nemec, and I almost put him ahead of Nemec, I have Denton Matejcik, um, Columbus mm-hmm. Blue Jackets. So there's two super defensemen coming up for Columbus, uh, Matejcik oh, yeah. and Yerichek. That but- pairing would be so ridiculous. Like, like, I don't mean so good. It would just be, it would be insanity to watch. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, Matejcik really impressed me in, in the in the viewings that I had. I think he's he plays like a rover sometimes. He's oh, yeah. very very active offensively. So I, I'm not sure he's going to really rack up the peripheral stats. And I tend to kind of try to build my fantasy teams. Um, in the Roto multi-cat leagues where I look for the bulk of my hits and all of my blocks from my defense and the bulk of my points from my forwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Matejcik would kind of be bucking the trend for me there, but I just think his offensive upside is, is so high that I have him as my 10th ranked player in, in this draft. Uh, mm-hmm. And with Yerushek 13 and uh, a couple of forwards in between there at 11 and 12, I've got Connor Geeky and Marco Casper. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Connor Geeky was uh, 11th. I have him ranked 11th. He's Arizona prospect. Uh, you know, the Arizona factor mm-hmm. kind of knocks him down a tiny bit. Um, like Savoy, he's got probably two more years of junior coming to him, but I like that he's, He's also got the size and the ability to give you some some greasy stats. Yeah. Um, my concern is, does he make it? Is he's got to work on his skating? Um, oh yeah, it's a major issue. Um, right. And he's not the most physical for a guy's size. I don't see him sort of uh, throw his body around with as much aggression as uh, Slavkovsky, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though they're they're about the same size and weight, so it's just uh, he's a tough projection, especially on Arizona. Um, that's the one guy that I think. Uh, I'd bump down the most if it was up to me, but mm. I mean, he still has that, that value. And if he hits, he hits hard like this. This is a player with, with incredible vision and, and incredible understanding of his surroundings. So there's just too many questions for me to take him to side. And Marco Casper is a player that really rose up the draft rankings, especially in the second half of the season, played his way all the way up it to, uh, eighth overall so i knocked him down four positions and detroit has a bit of a history lately of of moving up to on the consensus rankings and draft players and in hindsight it always looks good for them so i'm kind of 
nervous about ranking him lower than where no, that's the thing. picked him. You got to trust the Iser plan for sure. Right. Um, <laughs> so Marco Casper uh, going to Detroit. He's a forward. Uh, they've got a decent prospect pool, but there's there's room for him to to break in there. Uh, Marco Casper at 12th, too high, too low? Uh, right about where I'd take him. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of people see him as, oh, you know, he's a, he's a sure bad, low floor, high ceiling, uh, low ceiling, high floor type of player. But I mean, man, he's got layers to his game, especially at the world juniors when, when uh, the world championship, when I saw him play, it was like, man, who is this? Like completely different player that I saw in the SHL. So, you know, really took a step up. Yeah. All right. So the next player I have here, your check, we talked about him. Uh, I've got 14th now is one of my biggest risers. Um, mm-hmm. is Isaac Howard, 31st player picked in the first round. So late first round pick, I've got him halfway up in the middle at 14. That's plus 17 positions drafted mm-hmm. by the Tampa Bay lightning. And he looked good walking out on stage. Didn't he with that? Oh yeah. Neck and the American flag belt. He's, he's ballsy. Kids got <laughs> swagger. I like oh, that. Yeah. I like the swagger. Um, and I think he's, I think he's one of the more underrated players in the in the draft year he was kind of a little bit buried on a deep usntdb team and uh i just don't think that he got as much of the limelight as he should have had and i like mm-hmm. his offensive ceiling um you know i think the if everything breaks right for him he could be a pretty strong impactful fantasy fantasy player and um and in short order too right that he'll be going to the ncaa as well so you know you're looking at potentially two years yeah um i wasn't really sold on howard when i watched him and i had him in in or very near my the end of my first round um the thing with me that strikes him that strikes me the most in terms of what's lacking in howard's game is a is that layered understanding of the game i don't see him delay a lot he loves to push the pace and get around defenders and 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 sort of push as hard as he can but i don't see him sort of cut back, find other passing lanes, all that really sort of layered thinking type stuff that I love to see. I'm a big smarts guy, so maybe it's just sort of personal bias, but his style of play didn't strike me as extremely intelligent. It just struck me as very skillful, very, very sort of pasty. But um, for me, you need a baseline in terms of hockey sense in order to make it in the NHL, even as a fourth liner. So that's where I have my doubts, especially since hockey sense is like the toughest thing to learn as a prospect. Uh, usually it's either you have it or you don't, or it takes you a long while to figure it out. So I don't know. I still understand taking them here because of the upside, but there's a lot of hurdles you'll need to go through to get there. All right. And then 15th, I've got Noah Ostland. He's uh 16th oh, yeah. overall. So right around where his NHL draft was Buffalo Sabres forward, uh, so Buffalo's got a couple players in, in this ranking. Um, they really shored up their prospect pool this year. They did. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's gonna be a wait time on him. He's gonna be in Europe for a little bit, I believe. And mm-hmm. uh, worth the wait. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I was just talking about layered thinking and, and advanced processing and understanding of the game. That exemplifies Noah Eston to me. I mean, this is a player who... Although, like, he, his shot needs a lot of work. But other than that, he's probably one of the more intelligent players in this draft. Um, 
he hangs on to pucks. You can stick Kellen in a phone booth. He knows when and where to pass in order to open up lanes and open up uh, shooting opportunities. Like he, he plays big brain hockey, which is what I love to see. All right. So moving along in our, in our draft rankings here, I've got the 16th ranked and I'm going back on the blue line here. And this is another Anaheim prospect, man. Their blue line is, is going to be scary. Good. Uh, yep. I've got, Pavel Mentekeyev. Um, he goes down six positions. He was the 10th ranked, or sorry, the 10th overall pick in the NHL draft. So he falls down a couple positions for me, Hattie, because of his position and the roster blockers he's got with Zelliger and Dreisbeil in, in front of him in the duck system whenever he does make it. Um, yep. That's a problem for me. Now, we're talking two years away, so there could be a trade between now and then with any one of these three guys, which changes that dynamic entirely but it is what it is for now so that's why i have him um at 16th he could be ranked higher i probably have him ahead of um you know uh howard and osland uh and casper maybe and geeky mm-hmm. but you know because of the situation this is where he is yeah and that's definitely understandable the, the the situation around him sort of bumps him down definitely but in terms of the raw prospect himself um to me minchikov is is he's just tall denton matechuk they're the same sort of, they're pretty much the same prospect. Um, Minchikov and Matejchuk, I've seen them both uh, chase their own dumpins in the corner and come out with a puck as yeah. a defenseman. Yeah. So like, they're the exact same sort of mold of like, just the, the, the title of defend of defenseman is just like a, it's, it's like a suggestion to them more than an actual sort of fixed position. Um, Minchikov also has that high-end creativity, that ability to, to open up seams and, and thread passes through them really well. He's got a wicked shot from the point. He's got a lot of um, decent offensive tools. So I put him in that same category as Matejcik. I, I don't know if he'll be as effective um, in terms of his, his style because mostly short defensemen tend to excel in those roles. You think of Quinn Hughes, you think of um, defensemen like that, and it's mostly sort of that short rover, that 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 shifty short rover that that excels. But um, he's got more ranginess to his game. And um, if it weren't for the fact that uh, Anaheim's defense core is so stacked in terms of prospects, um, he'd definitely be higher for me. Okay, so 17th, I've got a player who I kind of had higher going into the the end of the, the draft season. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ended up going a little bit lower in the draft than I thought he would. And they ended up going to Winnipeg. Uh, so those were a couple of strikes against him that kind of knocked him down a few pegs on my rankings. And I yeah. even, I even moved him down three positions from where he was drafted in the NHL draft. So that's Rutger McGroarty, another national team player. Uh, I had him a lot closer earlier in the season to Cutter Goche. I had them very similar neighborhood. Um, Mm -hmm. and now I'm looking at my list here and I'm like, remind me, remind me again why I've got him so low now. And I'm not really sure. So I think this could be a player I have underrated and he's probably in a similar range in a lot of other people's, uh, draft lists and Mm -hmm. could be sneaky good value. I think actually. Yeah. And the thing is with McGordy is I had him in, um, I had him in the early second round. And the reason, my reasoning for that is that. Um, he's a tremendous goal scorer. He can put the puck in the net really easily and um, offers good offensive upside. I just don't see that high-end decision-making, and I don't see that high-end skating that I like to yeah. see from prospects. And those are my two favorite things. Is If you're a good skater and you've got a good head on you, you're going to excel at the NHL level most of the time. Um, so that's why he was he was lower than that for me. 
Uh, see, I had him 36 overall in my personal rankings, um, the ones that wow. I put out on Twitter. Yeah, I there were some major concerns that I saw in his game, but his skating did come a certain way. I just I don't see him as the type of player who's going to put up a lot of assists. Um, he's mostly at the end of plays, finishing them off and finding space off the puck to get shots off. That's mainly where he excels. Um, but once he's got the puck, he'll sometimes go for shots when there's very, very obvious passing lanes there and stuff like that. So I, I do have my reservations about McGordy, but I've talked to other prospect uh, to other scouts who had him in their top 10. So um, mm. it's just a matter of preference, really. It's just a style of player that I favor. Um, doesn't really match the mold of player that McGordy is, but it's really a matter of opinion at that point. All right. Now, 18th, I'm kind of going on a bit of a, a gamble here with Ivan Miroshenchenko. So mm-hmm. kind of maybe reaching for him. Uh, he's the 20th pick in the NHL entry draft. I have him ranked 18th, so I've moved him up two. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that he's picked by Washington. Uh, you yeah. know, I think he's got some some mentorship capabilities there with Kuznetsov um, and Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. Um, could potentially just... could potentially be coming to North America to play in the CHL as he was an import draft selection. The real mm-hmm. wild cards with him, of course, are the Russian factor and his health. Um, now, yep. the latest kind of buzz around the campfire is that he's 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 responding well to the mm-hmm. treatments, um, and you know he should be uh, back on the ice come training camp. I think. Yeah, plan hopefully. So you know, lost the better part of a season of development. Um, had a a, a, <laughs> a brush with death, a life threatening illness. But you know, he look, yeah. he's overcome it and he's he's back on track. So the Russian factor is more of a factor, I think, than the health one. Um, mm-hmm. And I like the fact that he's with Washington. So you know, could be a could be another bit of a bit of a risk with this player, but a mm-hmm. good payoff. Yeah, well, Miroshenko, in short, he's a freak athlete, probably one of the, the, the best athletes, like pure athletes in the draft in terms of stamina, strength, endurance, all that good stuff. Um, but the decision-making is wildly inconsistent. There have been games I've watched where his his decision-making with the puck has been beer league, and I'm not even kidding. Mm-hmm. So it's just what are you getting with this prospect? There's so many. There's so much uncertainty around him. Um, but the the athleticism that he does show um, does give some sort of promise. And the, the, the brand of cancer that he got, uh, I think, was Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is, um, I think, the same that Phil Kessel had at one point uh, and the same that a, a couple other prospects have gone through. So I'm not too, too worried about Miroshenko's right. health. It's just what's going on between the ears when he's on the ice that kind of bumped him down my rankings. He was in my second round as well, my early second round. All right. Another player I have moving up nine positions. He was picked 28th by Buffalo is Yuri Kulich. Um, mm-hmm. he, uh, he's got the potential to be a pretty good goal scorer um, mm-hmm. and he could uh, be competing with the likes of Jack Quinn for a top six role with the Sabres down mm-hmm. the road. Uh, I like his goal scoring ability and what term it was the U18s where he really lit it up, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. The, yeah, the U18s of the World Championship, something like that. U18 uh, rolls, yeah. Yeah, yeah, where he had a whole bunch of goals. Uh, seven goals in seven games. That, that's or nine good. goals in six games or something like that. Yeah, last time I looked, that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, and then he looked good at the World Juniors, too, that, that just passed as well. I, you know, I kind of kept yep. my eye on him a little bit there, and he did not look bad. So mm-hmm. I think he's got some good uh, fantasy value 
not a lot of bangers or rotisserie stats. Like he's a winger, so you're not going to get any faceoffs from him. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think you're going to get any hits or blocks or penalty minutes from him. So he's he's a purely offensive player, which keeps him, you know, out of the top 15 for me. Well, actually, the thing with Kulich is he's probably in the top three or top five best defensive forwards in the draft. He's genuinely amazing defensively. Like, that's the main thing that, that the main takeaway I had from him. He's not going to put up many hits or well, – he actually um, – he played center a lot of the year in, in Czechia. So – that's also something that's playing in his favor. So you've got a player with, with multi-positional value who's really, really, really good defensively, has great compete, and has a tremendous shot. For me, that's a player you look at in this range absolutely if you're if you're a fantasy uh, owner, definitely. Yeah, defensive or prowess doesn't necessarily directly translate to fantasy hockey, but mm-hmm. what it but what it does do is gains the confidence and trust of the coach, which in exactly. turn turns into uh, a lot of time on ice, which yeah, on does, the PK as which, well, which does give you the ability to to generate some offensive or mm-hmm. fantasy relevant stats, right? If he's playing in a defensive position on a bad team and he doesn't have the puck a lot, guess what? He's gonna be hitting. Yep, or blocking shots on the PK. I would right. be surprised to see him in that role. All right, so two more forwards coming in at 20 and 21. I've got Daniela Yurov and Liam Ogren, uh, both Minnesota Wild prospects. Uh, so let's talk about those two guys. Uh, do you like where these guys are ranked here in the early 20s? I do, and I think I'd flip them personally. I think Ogren has a tiny bit more offensive upside and a tiny bit more projectability than Yurov. Yurov has, is also this kind of player with a lot of uncertainty about him. Um, but he he has a lot of speed and handles the puck really well at high speeds. He rarely loses the puck when he's skating at his top speed. So for me, Ogden simply has a more well-rounded game, a more NHL certain game, and an NHL projectable game, in my opinion. All right. So then the next player I have coming in at 22 mm-hmm. is a player that got a lot of buzz and a lot of people like and I think he'll be higher on some people's uh, draft list just because they want to have him. And yep. that's, and that's Yager Ferkus going to Seattle. Now, the reason why I have him uh, no higher than 22, which is 13 positions higher than his NHL draft slotting. So I, I bumped him up significantly mm-hmm. uh, is his size and the incubation period. He's not yep. going to be uh, very large. He's already, you know, Got an NHL-ready shot. That goalie scored at the top prospects game was an NHL goal. Like, the kid can shoot. Oh, yeah. He can kind of dangle the puck a little bit. He's he's very agile. He's very shifty, elusive. He's quick. He's an aggressive forechecker. I like all those things, and I think it's going to get into the NHL. I just think it's going to take some time. And if he's not scoring, he's not fantasy relevant. Yeah. Um, to an extent, I agree. The thing is, I look at him versus Savoy, and... I'm going to sound crazy for this, but there's a debate there. I mean, they're both similar in terms of their size. They're, they've both got sort of similar styles, but I see Fergus and I just see more projectability. And they might take more time than Savoy to crack the NHL, but man, both of them at their best, I'd say Fergus would probably be a more fantasy relevant player than Savoy. At, at, he's that good. So yeah, I'm, I'm very sold on, on Jagger Fergus. So he went in the second round. I have him 22nd. That's plus 13. Mm-hmm. Where, where would you ballpark rank him? Top 10. I put him above. I, I put him. I put him above Kamel and Licker and Mackey probably. 
Wow. I'm that high on him. Yeah, I love this prospect. <laughs> he is fun to watch, right? And that's oh, yeah. part of that's part of being in fantasy hockey, right? Is you got a player on your fantasy roster that that you really like, and you're you know you watch the you're at the bar and you're looking at the sports net and you see him score a highlight real goal. You buy everyone around of drinks because that's fun to watch. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, my biggest faller. Uh, minus 16 spots is a defenseman and that's Kevin Krachinski, Chicago Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to get a little bit of flack on this one, but I'm just not quite as sold on Krachinski being a top. I think he's an NHL player, but I'm just not, just not sure he's a top four guy. And I just think he's going to be a, a big minute defenseman, mm-hmm. but I don't think he's ever going to score, you know, 10 goals. And I just, I'm not really sure how fantasy relevant he's going to be because he's he doesn't play the he won't get you the the greasy stats like even Logan Stanley will get. So mm-hmm. where's the value here? Well, uh, first, I wholeheartedly agree with you on this. Um, to me, uh, Korczynski is a type of player who has a formula and sticks to it. So what he loves to do is he cuts to the inside. He, he'll pivot and cut to the inside and then try to find a pass through the middle of the ice. And he does that brilliantly. But I don't think he has as many areas to his game as Matejchuk or Minchikov or Yerichek or Nemets. He just he's very formulaic, and some players find their formula and it works in the NHL, and they just do that and do that and do that. You look at Phil Kessel, Alex Ovechkin; they have a formula and it works, but they also have other facets which make them elite players. You know what I mean? So if he finds other areas to his game, you've got a great prospect. But as he stands right now. The type of hockey that he plays, it's very straightforward. It's very predictable. And especially in the playoffs when teams are watching fo- footage and, 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 and clips of you regularly, that's going to be broken down really easily, I feel. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you agree with me. You're a very smart guy. <laughs> 24th, 24th, I've got the 23rd picked player. Again, another player who um, I think his fantasy value is right on par with his NHL value. And that's Jimmy mm-hmm. Snuggerud going to the St. Louis Blues. Um, I think Snuggy's a good player. He's got some offensive upside. His ceiling isn't very high, but his floor is, and he'll get get you plenty of, um, greasy stats. He's a, he's a pesky player. Um, very aggressive for checking gets under the the skin of the other team. He's the player that you're going to, you're going to love him when he's on your team and you're going to hate him when you're watching him and he's on another team. Uh, 100%. Yeah, so and I think he'll fit in real well with St. Louis. I think he plays their style of game. So Absolutely. I like I like his his future. Another NTDB player who's going to NCAA. Mm-hmm. Probably looking at two years on the of development in college for him because yeah. I think he'll try and and get his offensive upside to the point where he's a point of game area player in the NCAA. If he gets to that level, then I think he'll be ready to turn pro. But you know, as a freshman, you probably won't get enough opportunity. Um, so it might take him two, maybe three years. Uh, mm-hmm. That's my take on on Snuggerud. That's bang on, yeah. All right, well, let's move on. <laughs> Philip, Philip Messar, 25th. Uh, he was, again, ranked, uh, drafted 26th in the NHL draft. Montreal got him. So I'm sure you have a detailed file uh, working for a Habs eye on the prize. So what's your take oh, yeah. on on another Montreal player on this list? Well, I got two I, I, more after this, by the way. Oh yeah, we're good to go. But um, 
yeah, all of the Habs prospects and up until Cedric Gangon in the fourth round, I've I've made I've put out a video on them. So I've scouted them in depth, I've tracked their data, all that stuff. Um Meshar strikes me as first a tremendous skater, uh, and second an incredibly intelligent player. I mean, off the puck, the routes that he takes, the 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 changes of directions, the fact that he's able to slow down to hit hit pockets of space at the right times. I mean, there's so many layers to his game that I think he's almost a guaranteed NHL player. Um, and on top of it, he's got a very decent shot, and he can connect plays really well with his playmaking. So there are so many different layers to his game that one is bound to translate well. Um, but his his eye for the game alone, his intelligence alone, should make him um, a very worthwhile pick in this range. I think this is about where I take him, though. All right, and I think the the incubation period on him is is going to be a a patience thing here. He's yep. in Europe; he's going to be there for a couple of years, and then he'll and looking at probably a season of American Hockey League before he's uh, before he's in consideration for. Uh, you're you're an NHL roster in fantasy. Absolutely. All right. Um, we got a chance to catch up with Yoki Nevalainen at the draft, who is now scouting for the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, a former mm-hmm. Dauber Prospects uh, writer and scout. Uh, he and Carolina went ahead and picked Gleb Trikazov with, I believe it was their first pick, which wasn't it was. 60th overall. Mm-hmm. So he and uh, another player coming up very soon are tied for plus 34 positional rankings in my fantasy draft. So I, I've got Gleb pretty high and two reasons, basically. One, because I think his offensive upside is very good. Yep. Uh, and Carolina drafted him. And I just have a lot of faith in, Absolutely. in Carolina's scouting and, and developing abilities. Um, so that was that was a plus for him. Uh you know, I get trick Shukazov moves up 34 points. Is is he a first round worthy fantasy prospect here? It's a, it's a big leap. It's funny you say that because I had him 10th overall in my personal rankings. <laughs> so very, very high on him. I absolutely love he's to me, he's the most intelligent prospect in this draft, not named Shane Wright. And man, you watch him play in the advanced reading of the game, the way that he thinks three or four steps ahead um, is tremendous. He's got great playmate. He's probably got the one of the best shots. He's up there. I, I'd say he's top five or top six, seven in terms of shots uh, in this year's draft. And he's got tremendous playmaking and he's good defensively. I mean, there's so many different areas that I can name you about his game that I love that. I mean, how do you not value this type of player? It's tr- it's astounding to me. I think the only reason he slipped that far is that he's Russian. Like I don't, I can't name you another reason. He's just so so complete of a player. On top of being intelligent, those are the players that I love and that I would aim for in in the higher ends of a draft. Yeah, well, I think you've got an opportunity here. I think if you know, you think he's a top ten fantasy ranked player. I've moved him up <laughs> about two rounds into the first round. So if People are sleeping on him. He's a player. If you you know if you're in a in a deep league and and you've got a you know even a fifteenth kind of pick, mm-hmm. that might be someone who you if you've got ranked in your top ten, you could probably get him probably cl- pretty close between where, where I have him and, and ranked fifteenth. Yeah, um, no, the, and the that's good value. that I put out. Yeah, the rankings that I put out aren't, aren't really fantasy related. They're just my personal sort of preference of which player I would pick at that selection, right? 
Um, but if we're talking strategically in terms of fantasy rankings, um, between 15 and 20 makes absolute sense to me. Yeah, well, I know there's some some smart people out there who are looking at him. I was having a chat with Daniel Negrano on Twitter, and, and I think mm-hmm. he might be uh, – oh, I probably shouldn't say that. I'm giving away his pick list because his draft's not coming up yet. But that's a player <laughs> he's looking at. Hell yeah. Um, all right, so I really struggled with this next guy. 27th, mm-hmm. uh, he ended up being picked 30th. I think he's a maybe a boom or a bust. I'm just not really necessarily seeing the boom. I think I probably would put him on my do not draft list, to be quite honest with you. That's Brad Lambert. Mm. Going into the season, he was one of the higher ranked prospects. He just kind of struggled. Uh, he made the world junior team in, in the August tournament and then ended up getting scratched as the tournament went on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's got superb skating and he's got really good skill. Um, but you've, you've mentioned your concern about decision-making with some players. And that is my red flag with this guy. I just, I just really question his decision-making and, and his hockey sense and his smarts. And that's only become more compound and more of a problem at the higher levels that he plays. Right. Because it doesn't matter how fast you skate or, or how skilled you are. If you can't think the game at the level and pace that the NHL has played at, then you doesn't matter. You're not in it. Um, so that's my concerns with Lambert. Now I haven't personally watched him enough to, to cast that, you know, judgment on him and say, do not draft. He's never going to make it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I know some people have, but then I know some other people who are like, no, 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 he's, he's good. He'll make it. So yeah, bit of an enigma. Do you want to guess who I have right after Gleb Trikazov in my rankings at 11th overall? Is it Brad Lambert? Yeah, it is. (laughs) And so we disagree on this one. Yeah, and, and very simply, um, I I did see at first when I'd watched maybe three or four games of his, I did see the concerns with decision-making, uh, especially watching him in Finland uh, in the Liga. But the more I thought about it, the more I was like, okay, well, he's being put on the wing in a dump-and-chase system as an elite puck carrier. How in the hell is he supposed to be making good decisions? You know what I mean? And that was my reasoning for starting to sort of hone in on – where he's getting his puck touches and what he's trying to do and what he's being forced to do by the system. And to me, it was just, he was placed on the wing in the dump and chase system, which meant he was there to receive the D's pass and tip it into the zone. So he would get literally 0.1 second of puck touch, a shift. And then he'd be chasing the play in the offensive zone on the forecheck. And admittedly, he's not a, he's not the best forechecker. But you place you place Brad Lambert in a possession system at center and have him carry the puck up the ice, which is the thing he's the best at doing. I don't I don't think the decision making issue would be as big. I think it'd be halved in terms of its actual impact on this game. So it's just he was placed in a bunch of weird situations this year. He asked for a trade. To me, the main issue isn't really the, the decision making with Lambert. It's the it's a lack of loyalty. Right. And that's one thing that teams look at. He might get traded a couple times. He might, you know, struggle to get his coach's trust and stuff like that. And that might hold him back, which is why I completely understand having him in this range. But I mean, in terms of just looking at the player individually in a vacuum, he's just so skilled and, and so fast. And um, when he does get the chance, he does make good decisions. It's just he's not getting the chance right now, you know? Right. Uh, for me, I'm not sure the the reward justifies the risk absolutely um, i think there's other players you can pick in and whatever someone will pick them in the top 
30, right? Mm-hmm. So there's other players who I'll pick all day, every day ahead of him that I think mm-hmm. we talked about the certainty factor. Um, yep. I kind of like that. So I'll, uh, I'll pass on Brad Lambert and I'll let someone else go ahead and, and not pick one of the players. I other players that I like by selecting him. Understandable. All right. So two more players who I have huge gains who are both picked 62nd and 61st would be Lane Hudson and David Goyette. Now, not to totally contradict what I just said about Lambert, because Lane Hutton certainly has some risk and there's certainly some uncertainty because he is a very undersized player. Oh, he's tiny. Yeah. And his skating is, is, is not his greatest asset. So that's Mm -hmm. a, you know, how does he overcome his size? Well, I had a couple interviews at the draft that are on previous episodes. I talked to uh, Julie Robinheimer about him. I talked to, I think as Cam had a conversation with him about him and also uh, Russ Cohen. And, you know, they all had pretty positive things to say about him. And uh, Pete Krupski before the draft was super high on him as well. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think he's, I think he's one of the more underrated because he went 62nd to Montreal yep. and I was thinking that he'd be a first round pick and he almost wasn't a second round pick he almost fell to the third round right yep and here's another player I've made an extensive video on um but man I mean I've never seen a, a, a defenseman dictate play as efficiently as Lane Hudson does he is yeah. so he's so brainy like he he just sees the game at a level that um, there was a there's a pro scout on the Habs team where they put out a behind the scenes video for the draft uh, and their selections and all that, and he was saying something I completely agree with, which is the percentage of pro NHL players who do what this kid does is extremely small. I mean, and and those types of players, every contender has that kind of player. Yeah, you can the count those of, players with your fingers. Exactly, and contenders aim for those players and get them. And I'm sure he was referring to the Kale McCarr style. I'm not saying Lane Hudson's on Kale McCarr's level. No one is. He's, he's the <laughs> defensive McDavid. Yeah. But, I mean, you just watch him play and you see the intelligence. You see the understanding of the game, the vision, the passing execution. I mean, there's so many layers to his game. If his skating, all he needs to do is just improve his skating to a level where he can match his, his opponent's footwork off the rush. Once he does that, he's good. He's, he's Quinn Hughes to me. Yeah, so we talked about Trikazov and how he's a 60th picked player, uh, probably someone who you know might be a, a top 15 fantasy value. You can get past that, but I wouldn't wait until the 60th round. If you're thinking, looking at the NHL draft results and using that as your pick list, you will never get these players. You have nope. to draft them ahead of where the NHL teams picked them. You have to pick these guys in the top 30. Uh, there, I, don't, I don't think there's any way either of these players fall out of the top 30 and absolutely not in any fantasy draft that's picking these kind of players mm-hmm. in the league that has GMs that know what they're doing. If he's there by 25, you jump on him. You yeah. jump on him. Like he, he, I mean, he's going to take some time. Admittedly, he might take three to four years in the NCAA before he sees mm-hmm. a, a minute of NHL ice time, but I mean, the upside with this player is sky high. I could see him put up 60 points. Like, he's that good. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so another player who went right in the same range as, as Trick is off and Goyette is, um, it's right between them, actually. 61st, uh, David Goyette between Trick is off and Hudson, I should say. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Seattle draft pick. 
Now, this is a player I think you might be able to get outside of the top 20, 30 in your fantasy draft. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like his offensive upside. I, I saw him a couple of times live playing yep. in the OHL. Some shifts, some periods, some games, he was a non-factor. Mm-hmm. And then some shifts, some games, he was a four-point-a-night player. Yep. Kid's got skills. He can handle oh, the puck. Yeah. He's got really good vision. Uh, he reads the ice extremely well. He makes really good, smart passes. Passes that you know, I didn't even really see as an option. I was like, what's he doing? Oh, well, that worked out. You know, kind, <laughs> yep. kind of reaction. You 100%. Know, things that you see when you're watching players like um, Mitch Marner play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I don't think he's got Mitch Marner type upside, but um, he's got some some vision similarities there. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I, I didn't catch him as much as other prospects. So I mostly saw the games where he wasn't on factor, but um, the few games that I watched that I was impressed with made me rank him in the top 45 of my personal rankings. He was 44th, but I still think I was very low on him compared to others. Um, and I probably should have ranked him higher, at least at the, at the, at the top end of the second round. But man, I mean, this is a tremendously fast prospect with, you know, when he's on, he is on and like, you can't go wrong. Like I, I'm usually an optimist when it comes to those guys. Like I like to see a prospect at his best because at 18, you're not going to show much consistency. You don't have the pro habits of preparation and, um, you know, sleeping early the, the night before and all the stuff that sort of develops consistency over time. So like, you know, you can develop those habits later on in your career and maybe you're just not mature enough as you stand, but man, I mean, Goyette at 61st was a, was just an easy swing. I mean, anyone would have, any NHL team should have been t- making that pick. I don't blame Carolina for taking Trikazov because, you know, again, I had him 10th overall. Uh, but Goyette, to me, if if he's there between 20 and 40, you take him. He's an option, definitely. Yeah, he, he's drafted by Seattle. So at the at the moment, there's not a lot of, competition there they've had two drafts to build up a prospect pool but he's not nhl ready he's got two more years of junior and then a year or two of ahl development so that's four more drafts that carol or seattle will have under their belt by the time he's ready to compete so you know it'll be a totally different dynamic by the time he's he's nhl ready so so we'll see but i think he's uh he's definitely got the offensive upside that makes him worthwhile 30th 30th ranked, uh, I dropped him down eight positions. He was picked 22nd overall by Anaheim. That's Nathan Gosher. Made mm-hmm. the Canadian World Junior team in a in a depth role. Mm-hmm. Coming out of the out of the queue, um, kind of right between is there. I believe he played for Gatineau. Yep. Um, oh, he uh, Quebec, the ramparts. Oh, yeah, even closer to you then. Uh, yeah. So you know he's he's got size. Um, so you know I think he's one of another one of those limited offensive upside. Not a, not a low ceiling, but but limited, uh, with a good floor, multi cat option, you know. So a nice yeah. a nice safe pick in this range. Yeah, and I actually interviewed him at the uh, media availability the day before uh, day one of the draft, and I was really impressed with his answers. And I think that's why he was drafted so high. I mean, he's very mature. Um, someone asked him about you know, what do you say to people who say that you're a third line center at best? And he said, if I'm a third-line center in the NHL, that's a win for me. But my job is to prove that I can be better than that. But I would be more than content with playing a, uh, in a third-line role at the NHL level. 
so very understanding of um, his his position within the, the hockey sphere. I think he's very advanced in terms of his um, his his maturity. But also, when you look at his game in a vacuum without all those off ice factors, you see a player with good small ice play, a player with um, advanced um, advanced understanding of his surroundings when he's on the ice. I just don't see him as this tremendous play driving center. To me, he's going to be more of that sort of run and gun, uh, barrel down the ice, uses his good straight line speed to create chances. Sort of your power forward type, but more versatile offensively, where he's he's got equal playmaking and goal scoring, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. So another player you're probably pretty familiar with, I ranked him mm-hmm. 31st. He was picked 33rd by Montreal. Uh, mm-hmm. So early in the second round, Owen Beck. What's yep. your take on, give me your, your skinny on Beck. Oh, well, Beck is very simply, he's Shane Wright, but the Walmart version. So <laughs> he is, though. He, he You talk about a defensively responsible center with decent playmaking, um, decent skating in terms of agility, but not the best straight line speed. Um, very high ceiling, uh, most definitely at the very least a third line center, uh, but will probably be a very good sort of middle six center. Um, so yeah, Shane Wright, but the light version, in my opinion. All right. And rounding out my top 32, um, I have a player who I thought was going to be drafted much later in the draft. So he only bumped up by four positions in my fantasy ranking, but if I would have thought that going into the draft, I would have been blown away. I had him as like a third, fourth round pick. Yep. And that is mainly because of the Russian factor, but uh, another defenseman rounding out my list. I think that's about five defensemen mm-hmm. maybe six and it's uh artem duda arizona. i yeah i'm first arizona factor let's keep that in mind but also yeah. i am not a big fan of artem duda i had him 83rd overall in my personal rankings um there are multiple defensemen that i'd look at before him um obviously he's got great offensive upside because he's you know very skilled in terms of you know his play with the puck but he's just so lost without it that I think it'll be more of a liability than anything. I think it'll, like, if he's rounded out properly, probably a, a second pair of defensemen on the offensive side, second power play unit type thing. But, I mean, there are multiple players that we haven't mentioned yet that I would definitely, definitely consider ahead of him. Um, let me think real quick. I've got a couple here. Owen Pickering we haven't talked about at all. Um and I think he would be a decent option in this in this range. I mean, he was picked really high, and I've got my reservations about him. He's very, very lanky and needs to put on a lot of weight. But offensively, I think he's more skilled than Duda, and he's got a more projectable frame. So uh, I don't know. There, there's a couple of guys that I look at way before Duda. I, I, I wouldn't touch this player before maybe the 70s or 80s. Fair enough. I like the fact that he scored 14 goals and 41 points in 52 games. I You know, I had admittedly I I don't really watch MHL games so I (laughs) I haven't really had an eye test on this player uh I'm just Mm -hmm. going by a couple other scouting reports that I read about him a couple Mm -hmm. guys are are like very high on him and then I look at Mm -hmm. his stat line and I think "Hmm, I could see why someone might be interested in that now I have a complete liability all right fair enough now there are some players who were picked in the first round that um didn't get ranked that would be 
Lean Bichel, Owen Pickering, and Sam Rinzel. So Bichel, I didn't rank him in my fantasy ranking because I think he's got a little bit of a Logan Stanley factor to him. Mm-hmm. Owen Pickering, who you were just uh, talking positively about. Mm-hmm. I know I, I like his development that he had this year. I just think he's just too long-term of a prospect. And mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not sure about the offensive upside, right? Like Artem Duda is a long-term prospect to be sure as well. Mm-hmm. Um but I think, you know, that you're swinging at the fences here with, with this player. Um, definitely. And, and if he hits, he hits hard. Um, so Owen Pickering is definitely a safer pick. Um, mm-hmm. But I just don't think he's got the, uh, the, the, the lottery pick capabilities that you're going to get with Duda. Uh, the other player who was, who was ranked, uh, not ranked by me, that was a first round pick was Sam Rinzel. Yeah, I think he's definitely worth a, a look. I had him 29th overall in my personal ranking, so um, I'm decently high on him. He's very rangy, very skilled for a big guy, 6'4", 180 pounds. So like, he, he's got some weight to put on as well. He's not done with his development. Um, more of a longer-term project. He's probably going to play a good two, three years in the NCAA before he sees a second of uh, NHL ice time, but... If you're patient with him, uh, he could pay off big. I I don't think he's going to be a proper top end top pair defenseman, but in that in, in the thirty to forty range, you're starting to look at those middle pairing guys that are going to put up big minutes and and play on both units, uh, both special team units. So that's your that's especially that's ex- exactly the type of guy you should go for. Yeah, a couple other guys didn't make the rankings: Maverick Lamoureux, Reed Schaefer, um, Ryan Chesley. They're all kind of considerations. So, right in this in this area, but mm-hmm. Zoom's kicking me out in about a minute here, Heidi. So, I'm going to have to uh, wrap this episode up. I hope you had as much fun talking about these guys as I did. I hope Definitely. people who, who listened to this enjoyed it and were able to glean a couple of uh, gems of information and uh, help them with ranking their fantasy prospects for their upcoming drafts. Uh, be sure to get the Dauber Prospects draft guide and the prospect report. You can get a lot of information on all these players in the prospect guide. And um, I also recommend the McKean's yearbook. I contributed to that. Uh, it's a longstanding publication, and there's a couple of good articles in there about late sleepers for your fantasy league. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Hattie, tell us where our listeners can, can find you on Twitter and where they can find your stuff. Yeah, you can find me on YouTube at uh, Hattie Kalakesh, uh, NHL Draft Scouting. Uh, so my full name, NHL Draft You're on mute. Sorry about that. I received a call. Um, and you can find me on uh, Twitter at Hattie K underscore scouting. Um, very responsive there. Sorry about that. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to contact me. I'm, I'd be more than happy to help out. Right on. Thanks very much, Hattie. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy the show, give me a follow on Twitter at Farling at DPR underscore show and give the show a five-star review. That'd be super awesome. Till then, keep your stick on the ice. Take care.